Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, consider joining my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of your favorite sex toy shops at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Catherine, good morning. Good morning. Hello. How are you? How you doing? I am good. I am so excited to finally be on the other side of the podcast recording apparatus. <laughs> yeah, this is a long time coming. Um, if, listener, you don't know, Catherine is the co-producer of this show, in fact, of Sex Ed with DB. Uh, she and I have been working together Thickest Thieves, hand in hand on this series, uh, you know, on our social, on this podcast, on everything Sex Ed with DB for like four years now. Is that yeah. right? I Yes. I remember I started like really roughly around the time I started my first job out of law school, which was in 2017. So like the end of 2017. Like, so like yeah, four like, and a half years. That's crazy. I'm I'm so excited to have you on. We have been, as I said, working together since season two, and we are now in season six. And who better to have on than the brilliant Catherine, who is a freaking lawyer. Um, and, you know, the circumstances are albeit not excellent, we uh, are having True. an emergency episode, essentially, to really talk about uh, Roe v. Wade being potentially, most likely, question mark, we'll get into it, overturned, and about abortion access. And I want to hear from you because you're the freaking expert, and I'm so excited to interview you. So tell the people who you are, what like your expertise is, um, you know, beyond being an amazing co-producer for this show and like what you work on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I'm so excited. We have been, um, you know, posting and recording and talking about abortion for, like you said, four or five seasons. Um, so I do co-producing for the podcast. Um, I probably put together a lot of the abortion posts that you see on Sex Ed with DB social media. Um, and I'm also an attorney that is focused specifically on sexual and reproductive rights. Um, I've worked on LGBTQ rights throughout my career and then have recently, and I've also worked in um, reproductive rights throughout law school, post-grad, um, and I'm now in a new position at a brand new center at UCLA Law that is focused on uh, reproductive health law and policy. And so I'm very happy to be here today to talk about this really bombshell that we have gotten from Politico, I won't even say really from the Supreme Court, um, and talk about what the implications are for abortion access and beyond completely baller uh, that we have access to you and that we're able to hop on like this because, you know, folks who are listening, you know, myself included, I think when I saw this headline and when I tried to really decipher like what the fuck is going on here, um, there's a lot of 
scariness out in the world. There's a lot of questioning, a lot of uncertainty. And so I just kind of wonder if you can just walk us through like what just happened yesterday when it comes to Roe v. Wade. Can you do a little bit of uh, background and some deciphering for people who are listening? Yes, absolutely. Um, Yes. And I think that kind of cutting through the scary headlines is really important um, because every time one of these decisions comes out or more often you hear about a bad bill working its way through a state legislature, um, the headlines tend to be like, Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion has been banned, all of these people are going to not have access to this necessary health care anymore. Um, and I, this opinion is not good, um, you know. To uh, be clear. To, yeah, this is yeah, this is not, a, not good news. Um, and I don't think that anybody who has been watching this case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, Uh, thinks that there's going to be a good outcome that leaves abortion access, you know, as it is right now, which is already very limited. Um, But all of that to say, this is not a final opinion. And so the court has not ruled. um, And uh, as we've been, you know, blasting out on all our socials, abortion is still legal. Um, There has this decision has not gone into effect yet. It's just a draft, um, and so we can talk a little bit more about what that means. And um, it might, but that's to say, it might not be what the final decision ends up looking like. Um, but not a good decision. <laughs> totally. Yes. Okay. So heard, understood. This is bad. This is has been has been bad and is yes. still bad when it comes to uh, the Supreme Court being like mostly Republican, I suppose. So like many people in this field, you included, uh, me included, when I've learned from experts who are policy experts, as well as writers and people in this field, this has been a prediction, right? Like this isn't a surprise. Would you say that? Absolutely. Um, I Yeah, this is not a surprise. I think uh, before this draft opinion dropped, I think there were maybe some questions of is the court going to explicitly overturn Roe? Is there, are we going to see an opinion that says Roe v. Wade was wrong? We're overturning Roe and Casey. There's no fundamental right to abortion. Um, or are we just going to see something like they kind of did in 1992 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey, where they say, oh, we're not overturning Roe. We're just changing the standard a little bit because of whatever reasoning they want to give for that. Um, but restricting, you know, further restricting. Um this the the opinion that we're seeing is that first situation. Roe was wrong when it was decided. We are overturning it. There is nothing in the Constitution that guarantees a right to an abortion. Um, and so basically, I, I'll I'll start from the beginning. What happened was on Monday night, um, around I think four thirty Pacific, so seven thirty Eastern, which is kind of interesting. A lot of people are kind of checked out for the day. Um, Politico dropped the draft opinion of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which is the case the Supreme Court heard in December considering a Mississippi abortion ban that bans all abortions starting at 15 weeks, um, which is still kind of technically a pre-viability abortion ban, not even technically, 15 weeks is firmly pre-viability, um, and so is would blatantly violate the standards in Roe and Casey. Like, under the precedent that we had before, this abortion ban was unconstitutional. So the fact that the Supreme Court was even willing to take this case was already a bad sign. Um, And as we know, Republicans have been running for years explicitly saying we are 
vote for me because I'm going to appoint pro-life justices to the Supreme Court and we are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So like you said, no surprise that this was the goal. Um, And also, if you just kind of look at statements and writings from a lot of the recent Supreme Court justices, this is pretty clearly how they feel. Um, What is unexpected here is the fact that this opinion was released via a leak. Um, So somebody in the Supreme Court um, or potentially with access to somebody who's in the Supreme Court, like a clerk or a roommate of a clerk or a partner, potentially. Um, I don't think anybody thinks it was necessarily one of the justices, um, but somebody who works for the court or closely. Yeah, like one of the justices are like, Psst, Politico. Right. News. Like, yeah, that's hilarious to just imagine, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they leaked this draft opinion. And so the way that the court kind of functions is they would have heard these oral arguments um, and then they would have had a conversation where they voted how they wanted to rule on the case. Um, And these are really like sort of early stage votes. People move around their votes. um, And then you don't necessarily just have a majority opinion and then dissenters. You can have a concurring opinion, which is when people say, okay, I agree with you in the outcome of the case. In this situation, I agree with you that this 15-week ban should be able to stand. Um, But I don't necessarily... Federally, right? Like, that's like everywhere in the country. So, yeah. Or we'll get into it. Yeah, we can. Um, Like, it would have... They're they're ruling on a specific uh, statute, but the Supreme Court's jurisdiction is the entire country. And so what they say impacts all of the federal courts um, and and all the federal courts should listen to them. Um, So this draft opinion um, is that it's a draft. So basically what that means is we know that there were at least five votes to to, uh, uphold the 15-week ban. What they would have done is conference and have uh, a vote. And that means at least five people said, okay, I want to, I think this, this law is constitutional we're going to uphold the 15-week ban, and then they assign justices to write the opinions. So the fact that Alito is the one who drafted the majority opinion means that there were at least five votes on the court to uphold the law. Doesn't necessarily mean that there were five votes on the court to overturn Roe. Mm, um, interesting. Be- uh, because the question that the court was being asked was, are all previability bans unconstitutional? So there's the possibility, obviously, there to overturn Roe and have a much more sweeping decision. But at least in theory, in the, <laughs> the court likes to rule narrowly. That's not what this opinion is, but um, that could be one way to potentially rule on this case and not overturn Roe. They could have done. Um, the opinion is dated from February of this year, so it's about three months old. Um, and that would have been after Alito wrote his first draft and circulated it to all the other justices. Um, what then happens is there's kind of sort of like a negotiation process um, and more conferences where justices will try to get people to sign on to their opinions. Um, and other justices will maybe write concurring op- opinions. Um, there's some speculation that potentially there might have been what is like a quote unquote more moderate opinion, which could have upheld this 15 week ban without explicitly overturning Roe. Um, you know, that would be some kind of like crafty wordsmanship because a 15 week ban violates Roe. Um, but a lot of the things that they upheld in Planned Parenthood v. Casey also over, you know, also conflict with the standard in Roe. And there's a history of the court not explicitly saying that they're going to overturn something, but just kind of shifting the standard in abortion law. Mm. Um, I say all that to say 
it's a it's so it's Alito was assigned to write this draft. It's very much an Alito draft. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be what the final form of the opinion would look like, even if he ended up, even if you know the majority opinion stayed as his opinion, because it could be that in order to get people to sign on, he had to get rid of maybe not even the central reasoning, but maybe some of the language that he uses in there or some of the other. Um, potential rights that he kind of casts aspersions on that we can talk about later. Um, So it's not necessarily that like all of the words that we read this week are going to be the final decision. Um, And I think that is important to think about because it it is a pretty radical opinion. Yeah. Wow. 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 Law is complex. I'll tell you that makes sense why you went to law school and I didn't. Uh, (laughs) But holy cow. So so what I'm hearing, though, is you saying like, This is not necessarily like the final say. There is a lot that happens in between now and June. Is that when the the vote is happening? Is that correct? So, yeah. So we anticipate and expected this opinion to be coming out in late June. Uh, Usually the Supreme Court holds its most controversial opinions for the end of the session. And then they go on summer break. Um, They really are like, peace out. Here you go. Peace. (laughs) Um, It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say that to say, like, th- to emphasize two things, I guess. One, that it might not be the final opinion. Um, and so there could be, you know, some shift and we shouldn't be necessarily expecting, like, exactly this reasoning to hold. Um, that being said, there are enough votes to uphold this 15-week ban. So at the very least, we know and people have been saying Roe is going to be severely undercut. And I think this likely su- this likely suggests that it will be overturned. Um, but, you know, some... Is, I think it's important to recognize that it's not a final decision because it's not bearing. Um, and we were talking earlier about abortion still being legal. If anybody is seeing these headlines, um, there's always a fear that that means that, you know, I can no longer access. Abortion is already un- illegal and people don't go to their appointments. Um, and we really want to make sure that people recognize that this decision is not binding. If they have an ap- appointment for an abortion, they should go. They can still go. Um barring all the other restrictions that we know are happening in all the states. Um, But this is not currently preventing people from going to get an abortion. Super important. Yeah, I think just to really, really emphasize that um, it's it's critical to recognize that this language is uh, purposely and the headlines are purposely scaring people to, you know, maybe it's to awaken them. Maybe it's to trick them into thinking that they can't get their abortions. Um, And I think a a piece of this puzzle that I really want to hit on today is the fact that, yes, this is extremely fucked up and it's wild that uh, we have been fighting this fight for so long and that it it just continues. But what's also wild and not really talked about is the fact that abortion access has been diminished for BIPOC folks and for poor people forever. And so I really would love for you to hit on a little bit of that history and why it's important for us as people in this space to frame the conversation around abortion by including the struggles of BIPOC and and poor people here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, right, I was just alluding to this other patchwork of laws, This 15-week ban, uh, which when it was enacted, was blatantly unconstitutional under the precedents. 
actually was never upheld by any of the lower courts, even the Fifth Circuit, which is uh, typically more conservative. Um, when when this law went into effect, a 15-week ban, you know, was not constitutional. Um, that didn't really stop a lot of states from trying to pass more restrictive abortion bans, um, particularly once the Supreme Court announced that they were going to take this case, because that really showed that they were willing to potentially uphold more restrictive abortion bans. And so both before and especially this legislative session, um, you know, gearing up for this decision to be announced, a lot of states have passed laws that really restrict abortion, um, either based on gestational age. There have been a number of states who have passed what they call a heartbeat ban. It's really not a heartbeat ban because a six-week embryo does not have a heart. Um, they have cardiac tissue that can pulse, but there is no heart there. There is no heartbeat. Um but that's roughly like a six-week ban, six weeks after your last menstrual period, which is really like a four-week ban. A majority um, of people don't know that they are exactly. pregnant at that time. Um, some some places won't even take you for an appointments to confirm your pregnancy at that point. Um, and so all of that to say is there is also this patchwork of laws all across the country that are further restricting abortion. And some of them are past and just kind of sitting there and because they aren't authorized, you know, under the federal constitutional standard, haven't necessarily really gone into effect um, or and some of them are specifically trigger laws. So there are states that have passed laws that said if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, this will go into effect and we are going to completely ban abortion or we are going to criminalize abortion. Um, and throughout that patchwork, what we have is basically around 21 to 26 states, depending on like what the kind of law you're looking at, uh, 21 to 26 states that will likely ban or really severely restrict abortion if this is the decision that we see from the Supreme Court um, or if the Supreme Court explicitly overturns Roe. Um, there are some other ones that, you know, may or may not be uh, meet the standard if they just said 15-week ban is okay, but we're not overturning Roe. But that doesn't really seem to be the universe that we're going into at this point. Um, so that's going to leave a huge swath of the country without access to abortion. And a lot of those states have layers of abortion restrictions. They have um, you know, various trap laws like we've seen that are regulating abortion providers and making it expensive or difficult for them to operate, even if they aren't um, even if, you know, they don't have a gestational ban that goes to the very beginning of pregnancy. And because of that, uh, a lot of places already don't have access to abortion or they have a single clinic for an entire state. People have to travel really far. Um, and as we've, you know, as we've talked about before on, on this podcast, especially with some of our guests this season, the post-Roe world is already the reality in a lot of states, especially in the South, um, who have been seeing these like layers of abortion restrictions being passed for years. Completely. Yeah. And just to add on to that, many states in the South, in terms of their population, are Black people and are poor people and are lower income folks who don't have the ability to take time off work and drive or fly to that one clinic that's 300 miles away from them. And so, as you said, so importantly, like the post-Roe world has been here for a huge segment of the population seeking abortions. And uh, it is troubling that when it affects 
rich white people all throughout history and including right now, then the signs come out, then people really start to care. And then they go to the streets to uh, try to make changes, which I'm not going to shit on anyone for, you know, rallying. Uh, and at the same time, I think it's so essential for us to use our dollars to those abortion clinics performing those abortions in the South. Um, if we're from one of those states, uh, you know, like Mississippi or Alabama or Florida that are very restrictive when it comes to abortion access, we need to show up for people who won't be able to to afford um, all of the associated costs for for abortions. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, in these last couple minutes, we can chat a little bit about what listeners can do to uh, to fight back against this really, really horrific news. Um, because again, like as you said, this is a draft, but if experts are correct, in June, in, in the summer, Roe v. Wade, we need to be prepared for Roe v. Wade to be overturned and for abortion to be completely banned or restricted in a majority of states in this country. And uh, that's a very real thing that many people are scared about, worried about, and lastly, before I let you speak, uh, as we talked about on our TikTok, we posted a video um, working with Carafem yesterday all about like at-home abortion access and how to self-manage your own abortion with abortion pills. And it completely went viral, uh, 100,000 views in 24 hours with people having so many questions. Should I stock up on abortion pills? Is that bad because it's going to be, you know, other people won't have access to them? Like what are some what are some things that we can kind of like calm people down with at the moment and like let them formulate a plan. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, and we were just talking about, you know, abortion access in the South and all of the existing, especially reproductive justice groups down there that have been doing this work for years, if not decades, which is depressing to think about. Um, yep. But yeah, every time there is, you know, big abortion news and people who were not previously affected start really paying attention you see uh, mostly, you know, white women, white cis women saying, I want to, you know, create a system where I help people pay to get abortions. Um, I want to create an abortion underground railroad, which is really problematic language. And white ladies, we need to stop saying that because it, yep. it's not the same thing. It's just like, Bad. don't borrow slavery language to talk about this. Anyway. Correct. Um, and, and aside from, you know, kind of that trivialization or or kind of like over victimization of yourself. The problem with a lot of these claims is these networks are already out there. People have been organizing to help people get to an abortion, afford an abortion, take care of their kids when they have to go um, for years, especially in states that have these like overlapping layers of restrictions. Um, you know, a lot of states have 72 hour waiting periods or something like that, where you have to go into the clinic and get an ultrasound or see the doctor, go home for 72 hours and then come back. And that's really expensive. People have been helping them with logistical support. You need a hotel room, you need childcare, you're going to lose likely wages for a couple of days. Um, and so all that to say is these networks are out there. Um, there is a whole network of abortion funds that you can find on abortion funds. Um, that's the website. <laughs> and um, abortionfunds.com. I think so. Um, it's at abortion funds on Instagram. Um, they've been doing a lot of fundraising around here this this we'll week. We'll confirm right now. Yes, Stay exactly. Tuned. Keep talking. 
Um, and they have, you know, you can search by location and find uh, abortion funds um, to donate to. Or if you are somebody who doesn't abortion have funds. A bunch of that makes sense. Dot org. Um, you know, if you don't have the resources to pay, they fund, you know, different funds fund different things. Some people just fund procedures, some do logistical support um, or, you know, funding kind of the associated costs. Some like uh, have a volunteer network where you can go stay with somebody and they will house you while you're having your abortion if you have to travel. Um, but this is already a really robust network of people who are fundraising and helping people get access to abortion. So um, don't reinvent the wheel. Go find one of those in a state that you feel connected to or nearby you if you're in a place that's going to either see restrictions or even just if you're in a state that still is going to have access to abortion, but you're expecting a big influx of people from neighboring states where they are going to ban abortion. Um, you know, here in L.A. County, I'm in I'm in Los Angeles. Abortion is not going away, but we also are expecting potentially a 3000 percent increase in people coming to California for abortions from out wow. of state. I know. Um, and so. Our abortion funds are going to be running out of money also um, because there's a ton of people. So you can kind of choose where you want to donate. Um, but those networks are out there to help people access care. Um, and then the other part that we were talking about was abortion pills. So, um, you know, abortion funds can help you pay for a medication abortion or an in-clinic abortion. Um, they can help you travel to a state uh, where abortion is legal. But still, that's, you know, just because you are able to get some logistical support or some financial support doesn't mean that you can afford to take four days off and travel out of state and leave your kids at home. Um, and abortion pills can be a really good option for that. Um, also for people who it might not be safe for them, you know, to take four days away from home and have to explain to somebody where they are and that they're getting an abortion. Um, abortion pills can be sent to all 50 states. Um, you can do telemedicine uh, appointments with doctors. Um, there are systems set up so that even if abortion has been banned in your state or um, there are states like Texas that are specifically carving out, you know, it's illegal to ship medication abortion in, like they're targeting specifically these pills. Um, you know, the providers might not necessarily be in your state. And so that's a whole kind of messy constitutional thing. But just because it's illegal in your state doesn't mean that nobody is going to be shipping pills into your state. Um, and it can be done safely at home. You can see some of our resources that we've posted on social media of how that works. You take, you know, a certain number of pills, a certain amount of time apart, um, and you have an abortion at home. Um, those pills are effective up to 10, 11 weeks. Um, and they are, you know, safe. So that's, I think, a really important thing to emphasize. Um, there is not like an increased risk uh, compared to an in-clinic abortion um, and they are highly effective. So most people they will work for as long as you're taking them, you know, within the correct time period and, and all that. Um, I do want to add to that the caveat that we were just talking about them potentially being illegal um, and they are not going to be legal in all places and abortion is not going to be legal in all places, um, which means that your state could potentially criminalize you for using abortion pills. Um, if you are, you know, if somebody sees it in your mail, um, if you just present to a hospital having a miscarriage, uh, there's nothing like there's no blood test 
or anything like that that they can do to say, oh, this person took abortion pills. You present as you're having a miscarriage. Um, and there's no way to distinguish it from somebody just having, you know, like a natural, spontaneous miscarriage. Um, so that's important to note. But also people, and we are already seeing this, will and and have already been criminalized for both abortion, self-managed abortion and miscarriages. Um, uh, and that will only continue with this kind of new empowerment of this from the Supreme Court. So if you are concerned that you might have your self-managed abortion or just a pregnancy outcome, even, you know, people have miscarriages and they end up facing criminal prosecution. Um, they, if one how repro legal helpline is a great resource. Um, they can help you with sort of, uh, know your rights, give you some information and potentially find a lawyer if you are facing some sort of legal implications. Super important. Yeah. And if you are listening and interested in, following one of these organizations online on social media. Um, Plan C Pills is a really awesome organization where you can figure out, you know, where where you live in your state, you can put that in and then it'll give you some options as to how you can, uh, you know, best and safely get abortion pills by mail. It also does share like what level of risk you might be taking with a really, really smart system. So check them out. Uh, CARFM is a really great organization we have partnered with. They're only available in a certain number of states, uh, but if they are available in your state, make an appointment with them, chat about your options. Hey Jane Health is another organization uh, specifically in Texas if you want to check them out and continue to you know build community, talk about this. Um, Shout Your Abortion is an amazing community where people unabashedly share their abortion stories and uh, just know that you're not alone. Uh, if you are interested in chatting with us, you know, DM us, comment on our videos. We're super active in making sure that people have the best medically accurate, non-judgmental, inclusive information as possible. And uh, we will never stop talking about this. So if you are just as never and uh, stubborn as we are, uh, join our party. We're we're gonna keep keep chatting about this, make sure that, uh, you know, abortion's not going away and conversations around it aren't either. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine, for coming on here and uh, sharing your your wisdom, your genius. Um, And yeah, I'm so excited to just continue fighting for for these rights um, now and forever, basically. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like we're going to have to keep advocating for this. But um, but, you know, you we were talking about people out in the streets last night. The people are angry. And unfortunately, it sometimes takes things like this to wake people up. But um, this is a pretty extreme outcome, um, you know, overturning a fundamental right that has been recognized for almost 50 years, something that has never happened in the con- history of our country. Um Republicans and conservatives are absolutely going to continue to try to restrict abortion further. They're not going to be happy that places like California are helping people from out of state and, you know, continuing to allow this. So there is a fight ahead. Um, It's not over. We're absolutely going to keep fighting for this and people will continue to have abortions forever like they always have. So we are going to keep advocating for people to access them. Yes, we will. All right. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you. Our creator, host, EP, and sound engineer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. 
Our music theme is by Hook Sounds, and our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. See you next time.